Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. I've got a message this morning. It's a single message. It's not a series. We started uh, last week. We uh, had a one-off message, and I think maybe think maybe people were thinking it was going to be a series. It could have very well been. It was really on uh, righteousness, one of my favorite uh, foundational uh, truths of the Bible. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness means upright. Uh, it's what's right. And what's right about you is what's right about God. Sometimes, though, we get off in our own independence and our own self-worth and our own righteousness, and, and, and that's where we lose it. So get the podcast. We do have all of our messages are, are recorded. They're loaded up on the podcast. You can go to our app, uh, which we have. You just go City Church Australia or Sunshine Coast. You'll find that app. Everything's free, and you can listen to it, take notes, listen to it over and over again. I'll, I'll listen to messages like three, four times, uh, just like I do movies. Sometimes I'll watch a movie that I saw, uh, you know, at the cinema or something like that. I watch it when it comes on television. I'll go. I'll say to Gail, do you remember? Do you remember this movie? Do we even see it? And she, yeah, we saw that. I, I remember we were with so and so. And it's like, uh, I don't remember any of it. Uh, but sometimes, like that, with messages, we we start to, you know, our minds drift off. We get in tangents, and we forget uh, the whole message within about a week. I don't remember what I preached. And and uh, but then you go back and you listen to it over and over again, and you and you and you think, gee, I don't I don't remember him saying that. I find it amusing when somebody tells me what I preached on, uh, you know, last week. I think I didn't even talk about that, but it just kind of goes through everybody's filter, and it's 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 really important if something's worthwhile, like a book or a movie or a podcast, get into it and dissect it and look it up, push pause, uh, use it as a Bible study. If you need any of my outlines, I can certainly get those to you, and uh, I just want to encourage you to get into the Word of God. There's nothing like it. And this morning's message, unusual topic. I've kind of gone around. I do this with most of uh, the titles to messages, uh, and I start off with just, you know, don't just stand there was the original one, but, but then it changed, and it's called uh, Get to Work. <laughs> get to Work. Have you ever gone to work with somebody that doesn't work, and they talk a lot, and you got a job to do, and, uh, you know, it could be digging a ditch or painting a house or, you know, anything, cleaning, and, and you've got this job to do, and somebody's assigned to work with you, but they don't work, they talk, and, and you're like, uh, okay, yep, that's a good story. Now, before you take a breath and give me the next story. Why don't we just get the vacuum cleaner out here and let's just get on and maybe we'll knock this thing out. We'll have smoke or lunch or something like that. And isn't it frustrating, especially if you're a kind of a person with a big work ethic that, uh, you know, really does the right thing, or if you're getting paid uh, by the job or on commission, you know, you don't have time to stand around and just chat about it. There's very much an element when it comes to working with God and the things that God's called us to do that I think a lot of us are guilty of being that guy or that gal, uh, of not getting about doing the stuff because we like to talk about it. <laughs> we like to sing about it. We like to pray about it. We like to tell other people, like the person called someone to do it. But, you know, someone doesn't exist. There is no person called someone that I know anyway. And, and, and pretty well, God has asked you and I 
to get about doing his business. Jesus said, I, I, I'm busy. I, I'm about doing the Father's business. He was on the move. If you met Jesus uh, somewhere on the shores of Galilee or, or, or the mountaintop or, you know, he's fishing, going across the sea, hiking up a mountain, he was, he was always on the move. And when he didn't move, he was purposeful and he was teaching them something so that they could move. God is uh, a very active, active God, and he wants us to be that way. Way back in the garden, right back at the beginning, in fact, in Genesis chapter 2, we'll just start there, uh, God gave Adam a commission. He said, it said, the Lord, in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. And sometimes we'd fill in the blank there to just sit and, and look at the dandelions and watch the birds. And, and, and oh, isn't that, a, look at that. A, that's a really nice Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, it's coming towards us. We better, now God, God said he put him in the garden of Eden and the, the next two words are just nasty. I don't even know why God put that in there. Because it just isn't what I thought the garden was about. And, uh, you know, to work it. What? God put Adam in the garden to work and to take care of it. Now, verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, this is where the problem starts. And this is very much apropos to today. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, that's really big because they're supposed to be working. They're supposed to be tending that garden. They're supposed to be caring for it. And then this little slithery on your belly thing comes along and, and stops them in their tracks and he gets them in a conversation. He gets them distracted away from their main assignment, the main, main thing they're supposed to be doing, which is working and tending the garden. And, and so he says, uh, to, he says to them, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Let's, let's, let's sit down. Chat, let's chat about this. Let's, 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 let's talk about it. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. So she answers, she gets in a conversation when she's supposed to be working. He got, got them to stop and talk and have a conversation about the assignment instead of working the assignment. See, the devil loves to get us talking so we're not working. Talk instead of walk. Teach about it. Tell about it. Reflect about it. Pray about it. Sing about it. Expect God to do it. Anything but work it. The Bible has a, a lot to say about work, and in uh, this morning's message, I hope is going to stir us up to see some things that, that work is not a bad thing, work is not evil, it's actually not part of the curse. The curse came when they fell, then he said, now you're going to do it by the sweat of your brow. Now you're going to have pain in it. It was fun before, you know, naming all those animals and, uh, you know, and, 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 and looking after them and the garden and all that. It was, it was a lot of fun. But now things are going to be rugged. Things are going to be different. In 2 Thessalonians 3, and we're going to read 10 to 15, uh, Paul says this. He says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. I like it. You know, you know, it's not about rules. He, he gives them a rule. 
The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. That's a bit harsh. We hear that some of you are idle. And a word that goes with idleness is disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Have you ever noticed that? That generally speaking, people that aren't looking for work, that won't work, that don't work, that don't believe in work, oh, they're not... They're not just idle. They're not, they're not, it's not that they're not busy. They're busy being busy bodies. I make it my, my business to actually not know a lot about everybody else's business. So, so often somebody will ring me up or I'll, you know, be in conversation. And sometimes that's with other pastors. They go, oh, you know, I suppose you've heard about so-and-so. And I go, no. Because I make it my business not to know about somebody else's business. I don't really want to know, unless it's really good things and there's some good report or something. It's like, I'm all ears. I think we need to gossip the gospel if we're going to gossip. But, you know, there's a difference between uh, being busy, doing the assignment of God, being busy working with God, and being a busy body. And, and there's no anointing on busy bodiness. And Paul said, if you don't work, don't, don't eat. He says, they are busy bodies. Verse 12, such people we command... And urging the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down, earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone. This is a tough one here. I read this and I go, you, you got to be kidding. Like Paul, seriously, if I said that uh, and people actually did that as a rule in this church. I, I don't think I'd be very popular. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Wow. <laughs> like, you know, that just hurts my feelings, Pastor Paul. That, that's... That, are you sure that's in the Bible, Pastor? You can read that one in any translation that you like, and you'll even get more out of it, that they may feel ashamed. <laughs> Yet do not regard those, them as an enemy. They're not your enemy. But warn them as you would a fellow believer. That's Paul's instruction on laziness and not working. Proverbs uh, says uh, this. It says in verse uh, 4 of uh, Proverbs 10, it says, Lazy hands make for poverty. But diligent hands bring wealth. I guess so. Uh, I want you to think about your work this, this morning a little bit different, though. And, and this is not a message on, you know, just get busy and work for the sake of work. We can work for a lot of things. Most people are working for money. They work to make a living. They work to feed their families. They work for uh, many different reasons. And I think when you understand the why uh, of your work, like I said, you know, Simon Sinek's book about uh, uh, understanding the why, when you know the why, all of a sudden something happens with your work ethic, with your motivation for work, with your enthusiasm for work, with, uh, you know, going to work. And that's something that happens as you discover that your work is actually your assignment. That it's actually part of your assignment from God. Just like God in the garden gave them an assignment to, to, to care for the garden and to work the garden and to look after that, God has given you an assignment that only you can fulfill. 
God has given you special gifts, special talents, special abilities. That job that you have probably is not a mistake. It's probably something that God has ordained and orchestrated for you to meet the right people, to go for that interview, to uh, go for that education, get that training. Your job is not just a job. Your job is an assignment. And I want you to see that this morning because it's not just about, you know, some kind of a work ethic that we're got to grudgingly go to work as kind of a job. It says in Proverbs 16, 3, it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your, your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. Now, I've had some nasty jobs, and I'm sure many of you have too. Some things where uh, I think, what am I doing this for? Cleaning toilets, you know, shoveling snow up on a roof and, uh, in the middle of summer, one summer, as, uh, as you do when you, when you have to put yourself through school, which I did. I didn't get scholarships, handouts from mom and dad, uh, you know, government grants or anything. I, I Seriously, if I didn't work, I didn't go to college. And so uh, I had a lot of jobs to get through four years of, of college, university, and then another two years uh, of Bible college after that. So six years and in between semesters and terms, you know, I worked my butt off. And I had a lot of jobs that were not pleasant jobs. And some of those jobs, I quite frankly found it very, very hard to see God in it. A lot of you are like that. You're thinking right now, gee, you know, uh, I don't see God in what I'm doing. This is a headache. It's a nightmare. I don't like the people I'm working with. I don't like the work that I'm doing. It seems like a dead end. Uh, I'm not lazy, but, you know, this just not, this is not like I don't get up in the morning and go, yeah, you know, woo, I get to go down there, you know, and, and do whatever that is. Many of you are retired. There's an interesting thing about retirement. It's not in the Bible. Oh, that's a, that's a big bombshell to drop, isn't it, right there? Because I'm kind of hitting that age now where, you know, it's nice to think about that. You might not have a vocational job. You might have, you know, done that, showed up for the 9 to 5, but you're still expected to, to, to work in God's kingdom. You're still expected to work with God on things. It's not like, oh, I'm retired now. I've made enough of money. I've put enough aside now so I can now watch television until I die. Oh, isn't that just lovely? No, God is saying you, to you retired people, God, this is my translation. It's a paraphrase. Get off your butt, retired people, and put your hand to the plow, lest the breath that's in you, left in you, it, it goes and, and we're doing your funeral. Get off your butt and do something for God. Work with God. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. If you don't do anything, he can't establish any plans. Whatever you do, Proverbs 3, 23 and 24. Listen to the uh, Colossians, rather. 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever you do. But you don't understand, Pastor Ed. What I do is, you know, cleaning dishes. You don't understand, Pastor Ed, that what I do is not glamorous. There's, it's hard to find. Whatever you do, work at it with all your your heart. Now, I didn't write the Bible, guys. Somebody else wiser than me did. As working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, I'm looking forward to that. It is the Lord you are serving. Do you know, when you think of your work, whatever that is, and that could be raising children, that's a big job. 
But if you raise those kids and you do it with all, whatever you do, you do it with all of your heart and you do it as unto the Lord and you do it with a, with a great attitude toward that, that, be, that, that will become your assignment. God will show you that you've got an amazing assignment in life. When you do something here with the church team, with the church body, and we're, you know, there's a lot of things that you could put your hand to at City Church and they're not, you know, some of them aren't that nasty. Uh, we've got people coming down here cleaning uh, during the week. Thank God for that. If it wasn't for those women that come down, yeah, give them a hand clap. You know, this place would just be filthy. And they do that so that, you know, most of us can go in and mess the place up, and then they clean the place up every week. And I'm, and, and, and I'm like, wow. But I'll tell you one thing that they do. They bring their best attitude they bring their best work ethic. They don't stand around talking. They bring, uh, you know, they bring a, a, an attitude and an eye for excellence. Uh, it's like, oh, I got to go back and, and clean that better. They, they do it as unto the Lord. I'll walk by, but they're not working for me, and they let me know that. They don't work for Pastor Ed. Like, it's nice. I, I appreciate it, but they do it as unto the Lord. When you're, you know, our car parking team is amazing out there on a Sunday morning. You know, they say, the church experts say that that's one of the most important things for church growth is to have good car parking. Men, they'll drive around. If they don't get a car park in the first lap, just like uh, at the mall, they're out of there. It's like, I'm not going. You can go shopping if you want. I'm out of there. If I can't park that car first lap around, I'm not sticking around. And that's the way people uh, have their attitude towards church in our Western society I'm talking about here in Australia and other places. Uh, It's just like, wow, how important is that? Because we want people to stick around. We want people to encounter the presence of God. We want people to hear a message that maybe will help them through life. We're trying to get resources and wealth and blessing to you, not take it from you. And all the things that we do, it's all geared toward that. And to do that, it takes a lot of work. Whatever you do, work it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord you are serving. So one of the wisest choices you will ever make, and this is a big one, is to take God to work with you. The devil offers provision, but always at the expense of God's presence. Compromise, you'll get more. Cheat a little, little sleep, little slumber, little talk about it, less, less doing it. Do as little as you possibly can. Some people retire before they retire. They're doing as little as they possibly can to get that paycheck. In the garden, it was God's presence. He was walking with them in the garden as long as they were doing and obeying what he said. But when they stopped and started a conversation about it, then things all of a sudden dried up and stopped. And then, of course, they fell, and we suffer from that even today. Covet God's presence. Covet God's presence at work more than the provision. So what do you think about more when it comes to your job? Are you thinking more about your paycheck? Are you thinking more about the reward? Or are you thinking about the presence of God? Now, I know that we have this kind of a mentality that the presence of God is in church meetings. And it is. He is. But then we kind of like walk out of here 
And we think, okay, goodbye, God. See you later. I'll be in your presence next week if I attend. If I go to All In, I'm sure that you'll be there then, and I'll see you, I'll see you Wednesday, or I'll, I'll see you Sunday night. Do you know, that's not the way God is. He, he, we, we check out on him, but he doesn't check out on us. Now, how important is it? David, when David fell, and he, he laments about this in Psalm 51, his biggest fear wasn't the provision, it was the presence. Don't cast me, he says, away from your presence or, or take your Holy Spirit from me. He, he dreaded that. He watched Saul, the, you know, the, the evil king who, who was his, supposed to be his mentor. He, he, he got out of the presence of God. And he started going for other things. And an evil spirit came into him. And, and David now, when he's stuffed it up and he's blowing it, he's like, fear. Uh, what a, I, the big thing I don't want, God, I don't want to lose your presence. I don't want it happen to Saul to happen to me. And, and the presence of God is the most important thing before any provision. Look at Exodus 33. I know I've got some scriptures in here, but I really want you to see this is not my opinion on this. This is actually scriptural. Exodus 33, 15 and 17. And then Moses said to him, God said, go up. But, but, but initially God said, I'm not going with you. And so, so Moses is having this conversation with God. And, and, and this is what he says to God. He says, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How, how many times do we go to work and we don't even acknowledge that the presence of God is anywhere near there? Think about this for a moment. You know, there's 24 hours in a day. I don't know how many, you know, I, I used to know and I could think about it, but in a, in a year, whatever. And how many minutes and how many seconds, et cetera, et cetera. But 24 hours, eight hours of that, you're supposed to sleep a good eight hours. I know many get more or most get less. Uh, so that's, you know, that's got 16 hours left over there. And, and, and you've got to spend time getting ready for work, going to and from work and, and, and all of that. So throw in at least another hour there getting ready for work, eating breakfast, whatever. And, you know, you start to, you start to subtract things that you have to get done and take sleep out and everything else. And, and, and in there, without Saturdays, of course, or Sunday, but, you know, in there you've got your work. What a big chunk of time not to have the presence of God. If you're working an eight-hour, you know, like a 40-hour week, uh, 40 hours without the presence of God is a long time if you covet the presence of God. How, how, how will, this is what he says in, in verse 16, he says, don't, I don't even want to go if your presence isn't gone. Verse 16, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? How, how will anybody know on that job of yours? How will anybody know with whatever you're working? How will anybody know whether God is with you and pleased with you if his presence doesn't go? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? The answer to that is the presence of God. Now, you can do a lot of things. I do a lot of things. We all do a lot of things, don't we? If you're a parent, kids are really young, you do a lot of nasty things, changing nappies. That's a nasty thing, isn't it? Uh, we do a lot of things uh, when it comes to uh, our work and our relationships and things, things all over the place. But, but here's the choice. You can do whatever those things are with the presence of God or without the presence of God. 
You can raise kids with the presence of God, or you can raise your children without the presence of God. And, and, and your children will pick up on that, and they will distinguish between uh, a parent that loves them with the love of God and somebody's just doing it because it's their lot in life, and they have to do it, and they get angry, and there's no anointing on any of, uh, of the time. You can have a relationship with somebody, and I, I hope that everybody does. You can have a boy-girl relationship. You can have a marriage with the presence of God or without the presence of God. And you can work that job with the presence of God for 40 hours, whatever you've got, or without the presence of God for 40 hours or whatever you've got. You can make a living with or without God. I believe that the greatest key financially I'm talking about, and I don't know that Dave Ramsey's going to talk about that tonight, but he should. He needs to sit there and he needs to get the podcast of this and learn something. <laughs> Dr. Phil and everybody, he goes on Dr. Phil, you know, writes these books and everything. But Dave Ramsey, you're not listening. You need to listen. The biggest key to financial, I believe, blessing is the presence of God. When the presence of God isn't there and I make a decision to buy something or invest in something, it's usually a bonehead decision. But when I make a decision with the presence of God through prayer and acknowledging God as my senior pastor and I'm, I'm working with God, not, not doing something just for God, when the presence of God is there uh, on the job or investing or, or raising children or relationship, there's wisdom that just comes in. From the presence of God, there's so much wisdom for investing there that it's like, okay, which of these five options am I going to take? Because they're all winners. It's amazing what God will do when you bring God to work with you. It's amazing what the presence of God does. Colossians 1.27, it says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, oh, this is a mystery because most people don't get it. They think that their job is separate. Of this mystery, get this, this is the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Somebody says, well, what's glory? Glory is from the Latin word gloria. It means this, fame or renown. It's used to describe the manifestation of God's presence as perceived by human beings. Oh, the glory of God's presence. When God shows up, his glory, when, he, when God shows up and you're at work, when you bring God, here's the deal. Christ in you is your hope of glory. It's your, it's your hope that the presence of God is going to be there in any of life's toughest situations. And let's face it, if you've got any kind of a job that's worth anything, you're going to have some tough situations no matter what vocation that you pick. But would you rather have that tough and face that tough situation with or without the glory or the presence of God. Come on, somebody shout me down on that. Would you want to go to work and have a tough one and a problem and not nobody has the answers with the presence of God or without the presence of God? See, that's the choice. David said, man, I, I couldn't be a king. I can't do anything without the presence of God. Moses said, "If you know, we would go into that promised land. It's a, milk, uh, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but if your presence doesn't go, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go and just get some stupid grapes and, you know, walk through the land, have a bit of real estate grab or something like that. If your presence doesn't go, I'm not going. 
I don't want to go to work without the presence of God. Yeah, come on. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7. I know I've got a lot of scripture in here, but follow this. For God, who, it is God who said, let light shine out of darkness. I've been in some dark work situations. How about you? I've worked with some nasty people. I've worked with some very dishonest people. And I've been employed by that. I've worked with people that were some of the best tail bearer, bite, back, backstabbing, busybodies, nastiest, meanest, you know, cut you off anytime they could, slice and dice you. I have worked with some nasty, nasty employers and, and, and workmates. And I've worked with the presence of God in those situations and without the presence of God. And I can honestly say, with the presence of God, every one of those work environments shifted every single time. Because greater is he that's in me, not out there in the cosmos. Greater is he that's in me. Oh, but except at the 40 hours that I, that I call work. Greater is he that is in me. Only at church service on Sunday and Sunday night come on back because the presence of God is going to be here. Greater is he that is in me. All the time. It's Christ in you. So my question is, where do you go that God doesn't go? If he's in me, there's nowhere I'm going. Because he said, I don't leave you or forsake you, not even to the ends of the, he's not a yell. He doesn't like, oh, I'm in, no, I'm out. I'm back in again. It's good, you know, it's good. I'm back in your heart again, and now I'm out. No, you invite him into your heart, he stays. He sticks around, closer than a brother. The Holy Spirit is there to comfort you. Holy Spirit is God. He's in you. Do you understand? Christ in you is the hope of glory on that job, facing that tough situation, no matter what that situation is. Our God is an expert at tough situations. Do you understand that? He splits a Red Sea. He causes a staff to go down, turn into a snake. He causes a, a, a stone to hit a giant in the forest. Our God is a God that will cause victory in you. Where is it that you can go that God is not there? If I go to the ends of the earth, he's there. If I go to the, the highest mountain, he's there. If I go to the deepest trench, the Mariana Trench, God is there. God is everywhere, everywhere that I go. So why do we go to work then and not acknowledge God? I'm not going to uh, share this scripture we're going to close in a moment. The team's going to come back up. Uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, they have a commission to bring the Ark of the Covenant, uh, which was a box uh, made of acacia wood. So it's roughly about a meter uh, wide, two meters long, give or take, and about a meter high. It's, it's uh, covered with gold. It's got a mercy seat, a gold lid on it, all gold, solid gold, uh, cherubim facing each other, uh, gold wings touching, uh, and, and it represents the presence of God. And so they're bringing that ark back, and they, they put it on a new cart, and uh, Uzzah and Ohio, his brother, uh, Ohio's out in front there, and Uzzah's, you know, kind of looking at the cart, things bouncing around, everything else. And David, he's way out in front, man. He's just getting with it. He's, he's got tambourines, and, and he's, he's dancing with all of his might. And, you know, they're bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. And, and all of a sudden, one of the oxes stumbles, and, and, and Uzzah reaches out. He reaches out to stop the ark from falling off of the cart. And what, what happens next is just amazing. God strikes him dead. He's so angry that this guy reached out his hand to steady this thing. And David, he, he, he calls the place where that happened Perez Uzzah, which means uh, not happy. 
not happy with Uzzah. God, you know, and David's ticked off. He gets offended because God does something like that. Have you ever been offended at something? You think, God, I'll dare you. How, how could you do that? Even, you know, they don't work. We're going to make them feel ashamed for that? Come on. I thought you were just, you know, everybody gets, you know, lovey-dovey and everything. No, no, no. God's, God's very serious when it comes to his presence. And the thing was, they were supposed to carry his presence, not put it on an ark. So many of us are waiting for some mechanized deal to carry the presence of God. We're looking at just a preacher to do it, a church service to do it, a formula to do it, to preach and Bible bash somebody to do it. We're, we're looking for a, a, some, something other than our own person to carry the presence of God. And then we look at situations and go, God, you stay over there because I'm going to work right now. Just like you kiss your wife or your children goodbye, your husband and your children goodbye, and, and you're off to work. God doesn't do that. They were supposed to carry his presence, and they decided to mechanize it, decided to make it easy on everybody. Let's just put them on, on a cart. And I think that some of us need to get back to the fact that if God does, if you don't go and you're not acknowledging God's presence and you're just expecting God to do it, somehow, God, you fly in there and you, you just save the world. And God, you get my, my, my workmates, give them, you know, a breakthrough and let them see your reality. And God, get the, get the angels to do it, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to show up to work with the same nasty attitude as everybody and expect something to change. I'm just going to be just like them. I'm just in there like a dirty shirt. Everything's not going to, you know, I'm just one of the crew. No, friend, you stand out because you've got the presence of God on the inside of you. How you carry yourself is really important, but how you carry God is even more important. I'm like you. I get tired, but you know what? God doesn't. I make mistakes. God's in me, and he doesn't make a mistake. I think I got a better way sometimes of doing things than the way God says to do it. Where can you go that you're not carrying the presence of God? That's a big question, isn't it? So I want you in closing to, to uh, think for a moment of your work as your witness. You're not selling Jesus. You're expected to work at work, not sell Jesus. There is HR there that will pull you up in big companies. But what if you thought of your workplace as your mission field? What if your work was of such a high calling that you were specifically chosen by God to do it? What if your work was of such a high quality that Jesus got glorified through you doing it well? What would that say about you? What would that say about God? What would that say to your employer? What would that say to the people that you work with? What would that say to your customers? So we've got an option. You can see your work as a necessary evil, making a living, or you can see it as your mission, and you can see that place as your mission field. You can own that, that space or that ground. You can see it as your opportunity to bring light in a dark place. You can see it as, as you approach it. You can see it as a great, great opportunity every day to shine for Jesus in the darkest of situations. It's not just what you make or how you make it. 
It's how I can advance the kingdom of God through my work. So are you taking God with you? Uh, Are you letting him shine? And if you do, oh, there's some big benefits. You'll have fun at work. It's fun going to work with God. Because God with all things are po- all things with God are possible. So when when you come up against an impossible situation or your company does or 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 you know whatever situation God'll show you a miracle. He's the God that turns loaves and fishes and multiplies the, them into amazing provision to feed multitudes. He's still in the miracle business. But perhaps one of the greatest miracles the Bible says this. It says, the Lord working with them with signs and wonders follow. Maybe the biggest sign and wonder that needs to follow us to work is a really good attitude. Maybe that's a miracle. A really great work ethic. I think that's a miracle. A great witness to forgive people that really don't deserve it except God says, I love them, so you've got to do it. Maybe it's the miracle. Maybe the the miracle is you working more than talking, not cutting corners and cheating. Maybe the miracle is your whole lifestyle because people are reading you. They're watching you like a book. Don't tell them you go to church and that you're a Christian if you're not going to live it up. There's enough hypocrites in the world already. Let's just, we don't need one more. Hello. Well, that's not going to get a big applause on that one. But anyways, we're going to close, so. I believe mountains can still move. Loaves and fishes can still multiply. I believe that the creative genius is on the inside of every single one of us. Let's expect it, church. Let's expect when we take God to work with us that we're going to talk less, work more. We're going to leave gossip to gossips, lazy to lazy people, preaching to the preacher, and let's just be a witness. Let our work be the witness when we're working. Let's let's take God with us there and let that be the light in the world. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.